Jack Pierce is a person that is part of this revolution that we live in, this technological revolution that is so important and so crucial. He is a best-selling author of a lot of books, notably horror, um, and he sat down with me on the 4th of July in the afternoon to talk about basically being an author and being an author in this time. And we had a pretty good talk. Um, I certainly hope he comes back on. I personally am planning to have him back on. Um, anyway, I want you guys to uh, enjoy this podcast. And um, as always, I'm having a good day, and I hope you are too. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen of the History Voyager audience, my name is Benjamin Kitchings. It is Independence Day 2021. And Jack Pierce has been kind enough to come on on Independence Day, hopefully before the fireworks, and tell me, well, first of all, Jack, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? My name is Jack Pierce. I'm uh, from Richmond, Virginia, originally, and I'm the best-selling author of many books, but the main three that I would you know, really highlight, since I don't want to go through the entire catalog, is Under a Morning Star. The Suicide Diaries and Condemned. Wow. Um, now, I was looking at your Amazon page when we hooked up on Reddit um, basically very early this morning. Um, would you, how would, okay, how would you categorize yourself? Horror, horror author? I can't say horror. horror I can't author. either. <laughs> it's horror uh, you know it's a horror it's like i don't i miss like the r's in it for some reason here's the problem we're two southern boys and <laughs> yeah we're, we're southern boys and i live in atlanta too so sometimes i have many many dialects at war in my mouth at the same time so depending on how i wake up that this morning i could sound like i'm from philadelphia or new york or the mountains or the coast it doesn't matter. It's all the same. All right. So let's uh, let's try horror. it again. Horror. I guess is horror, how you say it. Okay. Horror, horror, I guess, is the word. Horror. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good, good. <laughs> so, <laughs> hi. All right. So you're a horror author. Um, how would you categorize yourself? I guess I would, I don't really know how to categorize myself because I don't, when I read other people's horror stuff like creepypasta, it scares me, but nothing I've written has ever scared me, but it scared other people. So I, I guess I'm horror. You could call me horror thriller. You know, I've done some mystery stuff. I even did it, you know, I've done everything even to a self-help book. So, I mean, yeah. you know, I guess, I guess if you wanted to, I would say horror is probably the best term because that's where like you know i went up on the horror charts but i really think i'm more like a just an author i, I don't know what genre i am really it's kind of hard it depends on the book okay i i saw one of your books you're gonna have to forgive me here i saw one of your books was had something to do with health care um and it struck me as odd that that would be a um i guess a thriller or a horror uh <laughs> topic but uh yeah what are you talking about nuke your brain oh here what? we go here we go here we go got here, me. this is okay. this is you yeah this is you okay boom we got it all right i don't know how much of this i'm gonna edit out 
Um, <laughs> it happens. It happens. You have live problems, and you know I used to do live shows for a long time, and you know, I have all sorts of technical difficulties, so it's fine. Yeah, I, I don't believe in any live shows at all. All right, this is called Dreamer. Yes. Uh, I was reading a little bit about the in the Amazon preview, I guess, and it talked about health insurance, um, and that struck me as odd for a horror novel. Um, well, I mean, if you're talking about like in chapter one where it goes into like the health insurance thing, it was just sort of you know detailing the world that they live in, you know, because it's not really our world; it's like a different world that I created in Under a Morning Star. So it was just kind of adding to like the details and like the backstory of like this world and, you know, what would lead the main character to letting his, you know, granddaughter be taken to that facility to have, you know, herself cryogenically frozen until they can find a cancer for a cure for cancer. I screwed that up. But um, yeah, I mean, that's what it was. It was just, you know, sometimes you just kind of go off on tangents in your books and that's just what happens. But luckily I'm not, I love Stephen King, but he has a, that thing where he loves to go on like these 50 page tangents about nothing, but you know, and what's funny is like, nobody's ever done Stephen King correctly on film, except for Frank Darabont with like two movies, you know? Yeah. You can't really do Stephen King on film. I like Stephen King. I I think he's, you know, he is the king of horror. You know, I'm not, Yeah, I think there are better authors out there that I enjoy more, but I, I'll always say that, you know, he is the king of horror. He's the one that made the horror genre, you know, popular. I mean, it wasn't, you know, Love, well, Lovecraft, yeah, he did, you know, great, and so did, you know, all the classics like Frankenstein and Dracula and all that. But when you really think about, like, you know, when you ask someone who is a horror novel that you know, you know, horror author that you know, it's going to be Stephen King. Right. You know, I don't think anyone's right. going to say Mary Shelley or, you know, Bram Stoker. Right, right. So, okay. So, how do, how would you let's let's talk about let's let's all of my friends, all of my acquaintances. I don't know how much of my podcast you heard, um, but we've all sort of remarked that we live in this sci-fi world now. <laughs> you know, like uh, for a long time, those of us that lived in cities. I mean, California. I was finding out California, you couldn't even go outside to exercise until, until recently, like even just to exercise, which to me is a little crazy, you know, put a mask on for God's sake and go, (laughs) you know, get some exercise. But how would you describe this time that we live in right now? As far as if you had to write it as a dystopian novel or whatever, I was actually writing something that was sort of similar to what's going on now where it was more or less sort of like a 1984 updated to like, you know, the two thousands, like, you know, in the future actually. And I felt uh, I canceled the book because I felt like it was getting way too political and I just didn't want to have that on my um, books because, you know, I'm a political guy, but I don't really want to like mix, you know, that sort of thing that would divide the audience, you know, rather they, agree with me or not in that particular book but i felt like it was like too heavy-handed it just came off really wrong but um the idea was that you know if you said anything out of line you disappear in the middle of the night and um i mean it just 
I don't, I don't know, man. I don't really write dystopia much, and I think that that book would have just come out crappy anyway, so I just didn't even bother you know, getting very far. I got in about four or five chapters and quit, and that happens yeah. a lot. But, you know, yeah. it's just a weird I'm, time we're in now. It's just a really weird – I've really missed the pre-2014 era. That's what I miss is like when, you know, it's people disagreed on things, but they didn't try to kill each other over a disagreement. It wasn't none of that. You know, it was just <laughs> – the worst you would hear is an F you and that was it back right. then. And I missed no, those days totally, where I could totally. say something and not have to worry about an angry mob coming to get me, you know, on either side. So, uh, you know, I have a nuanced view of, of this, right? I mean, on the one hand, um, I, I said it in a podcast yet to be released actually. So when me and my family vote, we vote at the pool down the street you know and the way i say it is i don't remember driving to the pool and electing google to do anything right yeah i don't remember driving to the pool and electing facebook to do anything i don't remember that you know and i i voted in every election except maybe three in my entire life so (laughs) you know my thing is like this is going to open worms. This is going to open up cans of worms that nobody on any quote unquote side is thinking about yet, despite the other stuff going on. But in terms of like, I mean, we've got a virus happening. You've got all that. You've got all this technology going on to where like on Wednesday, like on Wednesday of next week, I appear on a radio show every Wednesday in Singapore for, (laughs) for the love of God, (laughs) you know, I mean, that's bonkers to me. You know what I'm saying? Bonkers. Um, but here we are, (laughs) you know? So, um, how would you describe like what of all your books you wrote? And cause you've written a bunch. How would you describe what's your favorite book? Would you say? that i've written yes sir um probably still under a morning star i just it's the first one it was you know it wasn't the best one on a like a narrative standpoint i guess like you know it was kind of chaotic and you know really showed my amateurness on some spots but i feel like it really told like the best sort of story like you know when i look back at all my books i'm proud of them when i read them again but you know that's the one that i look back on and i'm just like i'm just amazed that this thing exists you know that i'm holding something that i wrote and people you know bought and loved and it was my best-selling book but you know i think if you want to look at if i was if i was an audience member that read all the books you know and didn't have that you know inner attachment to it i'd probably say the snow white murders was the best one probably why i just feel like it was like it took what was great about Under a Morning Star and just kind of refined it and made it, you know, more focused, more linear, more, you know, easier to follow. You know, it was a, a more dark, you know, it just had a lot more, a bit more consistency, I guess. So it was still a, you know, it was basically Law and Order meets Silent Hill is what I was trying to pull off with that. And I think it came out well. And Under a Morning Star, I love it, but it's scatterbrained. Like it's, it's kind of scatterbrained and it's all over the place, you know, with the, plot narrative and everything just sort of screwed up and i think dreamer's great too but the snow white murders used to be one of my least favorites but i really think it's like 
on a technical level is probably my you know technically the best written yeah. one so i mean I, I recall we mentioned stephen king and i'm about to mention him again i recall a story that he he wrote down in one of the fords of, of i think the stand where he said that this is the this is by far the the book that people know me by you know that it's thought of as the my best work and He's like, I, I don't really like the stand. I don't understand <laughs> why people like it. But <laughs> I think that's what so, happens to us, though. Like us authors, like, you know, for me, my favorite yeah. books were, you know, Under Morning Star is so great, you know, but the Snow yeah. White Murders did average and uh, Dreamer did pretty bad, you know, um, commercially. It yeah. still hit number one, but it still didn't do anywhere near the numbers that I was expecting it to do. And, you know, yeah. the ones that I've really did not personally like once they came out, I thought they were, you know, not good books were like the suicide diaries. I didn't think it was good. I just don't, I don't get it. Maybe it's people just hate their step family too. And they just enjoyed that. But I just, I, I didn't get it. I didn't get it. So you wrote something you did. You, you wrote something you didn't like, huh? Oh yeah, I've written plenty of stuff I did and didn't end up liking. But the problem is, yeah. I thought the Condemned was crap. It came out great as an audio book. I think the audio book is so much better than the actual paperback of it. You know, just because you can really hear, you know, the characters and everything. And that one, it's yeah. you know, so character focused. But I never really. The thing is, I didn't put a lot of investment into the Suicide Diaries or Condemned. Like as a writer, like you know, there were shorter works. There were basically just sort of exercises and you know, just yeah. challenges to myself. I didn't think of these as being like big, epic, you know, sweeping narratives that, you know, like would be remembered for all time. It was just like a couple of throwaways, as I would call it. You know, you write it, you finish it, and you just put it out there. And if it doesn't sell worth anything, hell, it's a, another spot on your, you know, in your store. It's just yeah. another book there to take space. So, yeah. but people loved it and I don't, I don't get it, but I mean, they loved it so yeah great i mean right right so um let me ask you a, a question what would you say to the hollywood types if you could sit in a room with them right now because essentially you are they're in your they're in their car or whatever you know i don't know plane yacht i don't know what would you say to them about your work Hey, if you want to make a movie out of it, just give me a call. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Discord. Hey, let's do a movie thing. I won't ask you for much in royalties. I just want to see my movies on the big screen. That's what yeah. I would say. I'd love to see my books become movies. Just, you know, I'll get a kick out of that because I love listening to the audio book versions because it's kind of it's kind of surreal hearing it read back to you by someone else or you know, if you had like movies made out of it, it'll be really fun to see how it would have really turned out on the screen. And, you know, I, I just, I love movies. I love audio dramas, you know, radio drama, creepypasta. I love all of it. And, you know, yeah. I love books too, but I'm more of a movie guy and a TV guy than a book guy. And I would just love to see my stuff out there. So, you know, how did your, how did your, uh, your area or did your, did your area, uh, your physical, space your physical town whatever how did that influence how you write or what you write about 
Are you talking about like where I grew up? How did it influence everything? Yeah, where where you grew up, how you where you live. You know, like, did you go to the store that one time and see like this thing and be like, "Oh God, let me write, let me write a story about this," right? Or you know, not really, but Silver Springs from the Suicide Diaries and Norcastle from Under a Morning Star based on the same town, and have a lot of the same locations renamed. So in my head, you know, the drugstore is yeah. the same place in both play in both you know, books, but it's like named differently and they have different stories attached to them and all of that. But it's all based on my hometown. Those two at least were. And I mean, all of the books that have, you know, most of them have a small town sort of thing. Like the Ghost Rider Murders was in a small town. Harvest of Children was in a small, well, gated community, which now is completely fictional. None of that was real. Um, Condemned wasn't real because it was just took place in one room. And, you know, Drova is based on Richmond, you know, like that's the main big city you always hear about in the mm-hmm. books is based on Richmond. So, I mean, yeah, like like the town, I really do think that a lot of authors, what we do is we sort of write down fictionalized versions of our life or, you know, we take aspects of our real life and put it in the book and it makes it more realistic. So that's what we really do. But then we rename it and change a bunch of stuff so you don't get sued or get, you know, and drama on Facebook or something like, oh, you called me a, you know, X, Y, Z in your book, you know, all of that. So I, I would love for, you know, back in the day, it would have been hilarious if like, I don't know, uh, Poe or what's another one, uh, like Poe or Tom Clancy or whoever would have had Facebook. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I think Poe would just have a bunch of goth chicks following him and he would just like post emo memes all day. That's really what it would be. If you think about it, that's exactly what would happen. It would be a bunch of Doomer memes, like with the Wojak and like the Doomer and the cigarette and all that. That would be pretty much every, it would just be a bunch of stuff like Poe saying it with that freaking picture. (laughs) For real. For real. Or like, okay, so how do you think, I mean, okay. So in movies, right, you're starting to see in movies where, um, if especially a horror movie, where like the they have to get rid of the cell phone. There has okay. to be a thing that happens where, like, you get rid of the cell phone. Like I saw this movie with um, uh, Jesse Eisenberg in it, where Jesse Eisenberg played a uh, played the boyfriend of this of this girl, and they went house hunting. And they ended up in this messed up neighborhood. That was a messed up situation. That would I would spoil the hell out of it if I told you anymore. But immediately they had you had to get rid of the phone. Like the writer had to contrive some harebrained idea to get rid of the phone. So do you do that as a writer? Do you like? All right, let me get rid of the phone. No, not really, because, you know, I just I don't know if I even really brought up a phone much in any of the books, because I don't really write slashers where it's like, you know, you can call the cops and the cops will come get the guy or whatever. I don't think I've ever done that. But, you know, the I'm trying to think if I ever have done any of that. Not really. The only time I've ever had a phone in a book was like if some character called another one for some reason. But it wasn't like, you know. I don't think I've ever done anything besides condemned where you could really need a cell phone for that situation. That the cell phone would do any good. Hmm. Like a smartphone. You could Google up things or whatever. You could, you could sit there and Google. Something. 
Like, I just don't oh think God. I've ever ran into a situation where someone had to Google something in the books either. Huh. Okay. No, actually, no. I think there was that one time in Bring Me a Dream, which is one of my newest ones. I think the guy went to a library and was um, reading some articles about something that he was trying to research. But that's about as far as Google got in any of the books, really. Yeah. So, okay. You mentioned my favorite trope in horror, in classical horror movies, or I guess like 70s, 60s, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s into the 90s horror movies is go to the library right you, you got to go to the library to research something um so i i'm guessing you're of that ilk too where you you can really nerd out on some like i don't know um the blob i remember there was a scene in um god was it the blob or who where where was it where they had to run to the library and research about it or like there's one in the the Stepford Wives, and there's one in, I think Seven was kind of one of the last ones where they did that, where uh, Morgan Freeman went to the library. So, what are some of your favorite movies from back in those days? Well, really, the library scene. I always thought that was kind of neat when they did that because they did it really because there was no Google back then, you know, there was no Yahoo, none of that stuff, you know, like in the eighties, at least when it was, you know, Stephen King's it was written and they had to look through all the old newspaper, you know, clippings about Pennywise and stuff. And, you know, they just didn't have Google and the only way you could get it is through the library. And I don't think I've ever seen that, you know, in person, if they even do the whole, you know, keeping archives of newspapers and stuff in a library, I've never really, seen anywhere in the library where you could read like old newspapers from a hundred years ago or anything, but maybe they do. I mean, maybe in the city they do, but not around here. They don't, but I always thought that was kind of neat where they would just have to dig through archives and stuff, trying to figure something out. That was kind of neat. And, you know, they did that a lot and, you know, different police stuff like, you know, law and order. I think they've dug through archives (laughs) a few times, but you know, they always, yeah. that is really a trope because I saw it recently on an Are You Afraid of the Dark episode I've reviewed on Terror Tracks where it was, um, they were like doing like this research trying to figure out, you know, why that ghost in the graveyard was there. And it turned out like her boyfriend, you know, thought she heard she got hit by a car. So he drove his car off a of bridge and killed himself and all this stuff. It was really dark for a kid's show, you know, suicide and, you know, a kid being hit by a car. I mean, that's some um, Stephen King stuff there, but hey, you know, it's a horror show. You got to make it dark. I mean, I guess like the, I don't know, like, I, you know, I talk to folks all over the place and because I'm a podcaster, you know, and what I notice is like, there's people going through some dark times. So maybe you have to make dark stuff to, so people can pay attention to it, you know? You don't see people watching Singing in the Rain anymore. You know what I'm saying? No. I think people are attracted to dark topics because it's sort of, you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, I think dark topics are a lot more realistic. Like, they're drawn to reality. And, you know, sort of like bad news. There's no news like bad news. Like, you don't, you know, get excited or get emotional or get invested in something with like a puppy got, you know, saved from a tree or something, you know. Or a cat, not a puppy, a cat. You know, a cat got stuck in a train and fireman grabbed him. You know, that's not really news. But if you say, you know, 
10 dead and this explosion that happened at some oil rig, you know, it's like, Oh no, the humanity and everyone just gets, you know, really wrapped up in the story because, you know, it's a tragedy or whatever, but that's, you know, that's what they do with news. They do it with books and, you know, there's really, you know, would you, would you personally go read a book that was all about a kid with this puppy being happy for, you know, 150 pages? Probably not, you know? I mean, I'd have to, I'll tell you what, in order for, for somebody to read that now, you'd have to have some really dark times you were trying to forget. Seriously. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> like, I guess. <laughs> but anyway. Well, um, uh, go yeah. ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I was going to, I was just going to say that I think that the reason that dark stuff, you know, is a good thing really is because it kind of toughens the people up because, you know, you've seen how sensitive people get about everything now. And, you know, you really need something to toughen people up because, you know, if the, the, if things really go downhill, because we almost lost it there with the COVID thing, you know, right. people are probably going to be a lot more sensitized or, you know, desensitized. I mean, to, darker outlooks on things where you know depression may be a little bit more manageable because they've seen so much dark shit over time sorry if that was that's supposed no, to no i'm reading uh, i'm i should tell you i'm reading not safe for work so yeah well i try to know. keep it clean because of my show i don't really i never swear on my show so i try to keep it as clean as possible on other people's shows it's not that i'm against swearing it's just you know how it is yeah. um oh, yeah yeah i just don't I want mean, to don't want to have to have the explicit tag on the episodes and you know, lose those countries that you can't listen to that on if they matter. I don't know. I don't know how many really I, listen to that stuff. I don't notice any real drop off because I made a decision to go explicit. Like I, I didn't start out that way, but I made a decision to go explicit once I started. Cause once I started interviewing people, you know, English is a living language. Hmm. <laughs> You know, and so people use the F word now as a sentence connector. Yeah. Like to connect a subject and a predicate together. I do. I know I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, like people really, that's, it's like a comma for some people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And I'm like, you know, I remember, I remember like this person had some really cool things to say, but I'm like, okay, let's make it explicit. All right, cool. Let's do that. And I haven't noticed a drop off in, in people, you know? Well, I mean, part of it is like your show is majority interview, isn't it? Isn't most of your stuff interviewing people? It is now. Yeah. I mean, I did a deep dive in COVID and the Spanish flu and uh-huh. But yeah, no, it is now. And I see this as more an oral history of society of our time because I think mm-hmm. we live in this honestly, like I think we live in this insane bonkers time, which is both like the prelude to a revolution, like a technological revolution. The you know, that I would I would honestly the biggest parallel I can think of is not the steam engine. But the plow, yeah. I think the inner, you know, seriously, you know, for real, this internet is going to be as big as the plow. Maybe not like this year or ten years from now, but later. Oh yeah, 
I just real. don't think I don't think that society, if the internet just disappeared today or tomorrow, I don't think society could function. I, I don't think not even just because people would not get the dopamine hits and you know their addiction to social media, but it really feels like there's so much stuff that relies on the internet. And if you think about it, like with my um, my day job, you know my phone. I basically have to use it to talk to people and to talk to them. I have to use a voice over IP connection, which requires internet, you know, so I won't have money coming in because I can't, you know, get any calls because, you know, just, I don't use a regular phone line. I don't use a landline at the office. So that, that alone, that very basic function, you know, keeps my business alive. Or like during the heart of the pandemic, like pre, vaccine all three of us had pre-existing conditions so we couldn't really you know get out and um every calorie i consumed for a year came through somebody's phone yeah honestly yeah i mean instacart or uber (laughs) eats whatever yeah right Shout out to Amazon, but anyway. <laughs> Shout out to Amazon, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that they get they they are unfairly maligned by a lot of people. I mean, I get that they don't treat their workers well, but neither does Walmart, neither does any corporation of that size. I, you know, even Dell, I've worked for them for a while. They treated me like crap. It was just that's just how business is. You know, you're there's no job out there. I don't think unless it's just some mom and pa shop that has been open for 50 years out in some town you never heard of where you don't have a boss that is a complete dick. You know, at least one of your bosses is going to be a dick. I've never had a a great job where no boss is ever a dick to me. I mean, I have mixed feelings on Amazon. Like on the one hand, it was great. It literally provided me substance for a year for real yeah on on the other hand when you really dive into things about what they're doing with their workers and like i don't know if you're aware but essentially what we call the internet today is amazon like the backbone of the internet is actually amazon and i don't know I, i don't know how i feel about that and i literally don't know how i feel about that you know, like, I don't know if I want how I want the Internet to happen, but I also don't know if like, is it cool that my cousins that live out in the country can't really get high speed Internet? Right. Is that an OK situation? I don't think so. Yeah, and I wish they would find a way to do that. And I'm not sure exactly why is it that, you know, you go a few miles out of town and you can't get internet at all. I mean, I've had it where I was in the end town and I was just on the wrong side of town where my internet would have been awful versus a different side of town. This isn't a small town. This isn't, you know, a big city or anything. We're talking about like a town, like the biggest town I lived in had 8,000 people in it. So it wasn't very big. But, you know, like a couple miles the other direction, you know, you couldn't get that high-speed internet. But then, you know, I got in a house in that same town um, that I was in for a couple years. And that one, I could get 150 megs down for like 60 bucks a month, whatever it was from Comcast. I can't remember. Maybe it was 80. But anyway, point is, I could get fast internet there. But if I went just, you know, a mile 
across town i couldn't get but like 10 mags from century like i'm like but why i mean i'm in town exactly i mean and that's my point like that's exactly my point is i don't i'm not one of these people that i don't think government is the solver of all problems i honestly don't but at the same time it's like the I don't know how old you are, but I can remember when the internet came into being. Right? Yeah, I can remember when the internet was a toy, was literally a toy. I can remember being a child, like fourteen or so, and showing my dad the World Wide Web, and he literally just thought—I don't want to say like he thought it was a toy, but he was, oh, that's cute. Yeah, and he couldn't see the utility of it. Where you fast forward to now, and you know. He had to have food come from the internet. So yeah. in, the, in the span of less than my life, we've gone from not even really a frivolity, right? Just a frivolous thing to this essential tool. Right? Yeah, but at the same time, you know, I think the internet has made it where technology can rapidly evolve, you know, because you have access to the, you know, this you have access to this wonderful thing where you don't have to mail, you know, a letter to somebody on the other side of the country and wait four days to get a response or, you know, back and forth, you know, even like with think about if you send a letter, it takes three or four days to get to, then they write a letter, it takes three or four days to get back, you know, which we, we fixed with email or whatever. But I feel like, you know, the technology has rapidly evolved because, you know, in one way is the fact that there's so much more information out there that's, you know, we, you wouldn't be doing this if we didn't have the internet. You know, there's no way I don't think we could, I don't know if podcasts even existed before the internet. Maybe they did, but no, they didn't. I'll I'll tell you, I'll tell you how new podcasting is for real. Um, when I finished up my master's degree in like 13, I had not heard of the term podcasting. Yeah. I'm not sure that it is. Well, it did exist because Dan Carlin has been podcasting since I was six. So, yeah. You know what I'm saying? But, right. This is just... So, what were you saying? No, I'm just, I'm just saying that the internet has, you know, made technology rapidly evolve because there's so much more information that's more accessible. You're not, you know, relying on your local library, hoping that they have the information you need. You know, you could... You know, watch, you know, lectures from Harvard right now. You can start a company right now without having to go through, you know, a bunch of, you know, legal non. Well, I mean, you got to go through it, of course, but you can start your companies. You can do your research online. You can run a company online like, you know, we both do, you know, because I don't think I would have been a best selling author if it wasn't for, you know, Amazon existing or, you know, because well, Barnes and right. Noble. You know, Wild Barnes Noble is great, and I think that they used to be like the, you know, before Amazon, they were like the god of books, basically. Well, it's uh, at least, you know, of brick and mortar anyway, and probably still are, but... Well, just during Amazon, I mean, well, okay. So the thing that set Barnes & Noble up was that Barnes & Noble brought books into the... Um, you had books in strip malls, Mm. But I think the innovation of Barnes & Noble was let's add coffee. Let's add dessert. 
let's make this bookstore somewhere somebody wants to go, right? Yeah. And, I mean, you had that for sure before, but you didn't have it literally everywhere. You know, the crazy thing is I hated Barnes and Noble as a kid because I wasn't a book kid at all. Like dad loved books and he has like books everywhere and his whole house is just like scattered with books everywhere. And, you know, it's like I haven't set foot in a Barnes and Noble in probably 15 years, I don't think. And I just never really, you know, I know that you can buy my book on barnesandnoble.com, you know, because it's distributed through Amazon to them. But I don't think, you know, it was, it wouldn't, I don't know if it would really be worth it to even try to get like a stand in there because I don't have any real sales coming from Barnes & Noble to begin with. It's all Amazon, really. I mean, if it lost Amazon, the book, you know, the book life or whatever you want to call it, the book career would pretty much be dead. I mean, the, the other stores, they exist, they're there. But, you know, if you really think about it, Kindle, a Kindle is like 40 bucks, you know, like you can get them on sale for 30, 40 bucks, you know, and this thing can hold all these books you'd ever want and maybe it's not the fastest or fanciest tablet but you know kids have kindles you know it's sort of like um like mm -hmm. it, the kindle is sort of like the new iphone basically it's like everyone has one you know but instead of it being like you know the trendy thing like a apple it's the fact that kindles are so cheap you can get them 30 40 bucks you know during black friday you can get a bunch of them they're replaceable there's no you know, if you break one, just go get another $30, $40 one and, you know, can play games and stuff on it. And, I mean, you know, it's just, I feel like I don't, I basically feel like if you think about it, when's the last time you heard of someone bring up the word nook? Right. You know, what You're device, right. what device right. does Kobo run on? You know, is there a Kobo right. device out there? You know, Kobo is owned by Walmart. It's, you know, I've never heard Betamax. of them. I mean, it's the yeah. Betamax VHS thing. Yeah, right? that's exactly no, what it is. I, I get it. I get it. The thing, I mean, and this goes back to something. I mean, so I run several websites, right? And the thing that I've noticed in the back end of all those websites is, like you're saying, right? Most of your searches happen on Google. Yeah. I mean, honestly, by far. Like, I have a Game of Thrones website, a Game of Thrones comedy blog. And I would say I'll get, like, maybe, say, like, if I get 100,000 searches, right? Yeah. I'll literally get, and I'm not exaggerating, I'll literally get maybe 20, not 20,000, 20, 000, 20 <laughs> right? Yeah. Come from non-Google. Yeah. They come from something other than Google, mm -hmm. which I mean, okay. So if, if you don't optimize for Google, you're screwed. Like you're, where are you? You might as well be, I might as well, if I'm doing a podcast, that's not optimized for Google. I might as well have a megaphone and stand at the, at the basement of, or at the base of my driveway. Yeah. And just shout. <laughs> yeah. It'd be that effective. <laughs> It's just, it's, I don't like the fact that Google and Amazon have that much power, but at the same time, you have to play the game. And, you know, I, I hear a lot of people coming to me saying, well, I will never use Amazon. I'll never buy your book on Amazon because Amazon is evil and they don't treat their workers well. And I'm like, 
Okay. I mean, am I supposed to just like stop doing, am I supposed to stop using the main store that publishes the books that prints the paperbacks that does all this stuff? I'm supposed to, you know, drop everything I'm doing just to make you happy. You know, just you, just one guy who probably wouldn't even buy the book if I did put it in a different store that you would want to, you know, buy it from, you know what I mean? I mean, I, I get what you I, I literally, I hate to say this, but I literally get both sides of that argument. I honestly do. Because, um, like, if, okay, so with my podcast, right, most of my listens come from Apple, apparently. Okay. okay? I have to abide by the Apple terms and conditions mm-hmm. in my content. Okay. Now, I don't have an Apple phone. I don't use Apple products, except for, you know being a podcaster i don't use apple products but here i am i have to totally abide by apple terms of service right so i don't necessarily like that but i'll live with it (laughs) you know what i'm saying yeah it's sort of like you have to um i've sort of made it akin to i don't know if you've seen joe darton forever I'm, i'm sure you've seen it at some point um that scene with like uh, Joe where he goes to the fireworks stand and like, he's you no, know, all the guy has is snakes and sparklers and then he wonders why he's going out of business. But the thing is you have to give the people what they want, where they want it. I mean, you know, you can have all your moral objection to Amazon and you know, that's fine. Exactly. And if you want to sell your book on your website and sell maybe 50 copies of it after you've spent five grand on it, then that's fine. But it's the fact that you have to swim with sharks to, to do it. I mean, there's Bing is not anywhere close to Google and it's never going to be close to Google. It's the, but it's always going to probably be number two. I don't think start page and quant and all these others will ever even get close to even where Bing is, where Bing's barely there to begin with. The only reason Bing even is there is because it's, it's like the default. Yeah. Cause it's the default search engine for edge. So, right. Right. I mean, I was laughing because I was laughing because, like on the back of my website, I'll have my Game of Thrones blog. I'll have like uh, 90,000 hits, right? But I'll have like seven. It'll always be seven being. Yeah. <laughs> seven, seven or eight being like, Jesus, that's hilarious. That's yeah. literally hilarious. No one, no one uses Bing. No, one, mean. Use, no one uses Bing. I you you mentioned Quant, okay? Yeah. I I have Quant set up on Vivaldi as my as my personal like my my personal search engine or my personal I guess my personal Google account or whatever. But even there, I have to log into Google to go anywhere. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. If you're on Quant, you literally have to type in the exact address the exact address to go where you're going. It's yeah. Like it's, yeah. Well, the thing is Google is the best search engine, whether you think that the corporation or the people that run it are evil or the people that, you know, sustain this product or, you know, right or wrong with their politics and their way to run the site. Google is a search engine. It's the best one there is. And they're really, you know, for the average user, you know, I've tried these other search engines and I'll look up stuff and I always end up having to go back to Google because the results of every other engine just isn't, they don't show me what I'm looking for basically. And they just, Oh, they just don't. Yeah. You know, right. It's, and it's just, ha- they're not, they're not doing 
their job basically so yeah i have to go to the big evil and the thing is and i'm not sure how technically savvy you are but i you know i own a tech company in real life you know it's it's my day job okay i don't care how much you try to privatize your computer how much you try to hide from google to get your de-googled android phone and your you know all this stuff and i'm just going to use proton mail and a vpn and tor and all this other stuff that y'all do trying to hide from google you're not going to hide from Google. You're not going to hide from the feds. You're not going to hide from any of these places. You're just going to make it harder for them to track you, which is, you know, all right, but you're never like, there's, you have to realize that, you know, let's say that you have a laptop and you don't use Google or you don't use any of their services. That laptop still has, you know, like chips and stuff on it that have these, you know, codes and everything on it where it's identifiable. You know, you have an IP address, Mm -hmm. you can hide it, but, you know, if the feds really want you, they're going to get you. So I just feel like people, you know, try to people get really obsessed with this whole idea that I'm going to outrun Google and Facebook and Google and Amazon will never see what I'm doing. And I'm just like, what are, what are you hiding from, though? I mean, you know, yeah. just every run, like, yeah, like I run every, into that. Yeah, I, I run into crazy that about it in my own life, like not just my I mean, in my own life, because you know, Facebook knows things about me that I'm like, how does Facebook know that? Like where, I mean, huh? Right. Like, yeah. like, so that creeps me out. Honestly, that creeps me out. I'll be real with you. I, I don't care if the government knows whatever about me. I don't care. What I care about is Facebook, honestly. Cause I, again, I didn't drive to the pool and elect Facebook to do Jack. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I get Google. I need Google. Okay. Like I need Google. I get it. The only product that I use of Facebook that I could not live without in this day and age is Facebook messenger. And that's only because of the calling feature to call folks around the world. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I mean, there are alternatives to that, like Skype. You know, I I would think Skype would be a better alternative to Facebook Messenger, probably. But again, like you were saying, meet people where they are. So I have I have Skype, but if this person in in, uh, wherever doesn't right, if this person in wherever decides they they think Microsoft is spying on them, yeah, we have to use. (laughs) You know, like it's it's basically like you run into people and they're like. I don't like it that Microsoft is spying on me, or I don't like it that so-and-so is spying on me. Or my favorite one is Signal. Signal um, loves to say that it's a privacy app. It's a privacy-first app. Okay, sure. Can you explain this then, Signal? So my aunt, my my cousin, I think she's a cousin, my 90-something, 100-something-year-old cousin passed away from COVID. The other week on my Signal app, I got a message saying that my 100-year-old cousin, who's been dead for since, you know, a couple of months from COVID, ha- is now on Signal, all right? Yeah. Now, she's not on Signal, but her phone number has been given to somebody else, and they're on signal. So how privacy forward is that signal? I'm just saying. 
I, I basically use Discord, and that's pretty much it. Like Discord and Twitter, and I know that they're probably both spying on me. But every app is probably spying on you because, you know, how much mm. does Signal cost? Isn't Signal a free app? Signal is uh, allegedly well, it's free, and allegedly they you can donate to Signal. Uh, allegedly, um, I doubt there's enough people to donate to any free app for them to not spy on you. Right. And the thing that worries me about Signal specifically is, like, I talk to folks that, I mean, you want to talk about the government is spying on me or I'm hiding from the government, okay? I really do talk to people who really should worry about the government, you know, people in China, people in Venezuela, you know, places where you really don't want the government to look on, to look at you, you know? I'm just saying. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well the only solution that they have is to get out of that country because you know there's yeah. the thing is you have to realize that the internet was not built for anonymity it was not built to be private and it just it's just not built that way and it was never built that way and you can do all sorts of fancy maneuvers and stuff but people have hacked the fbi they've hacked you know, they hacked Hillary's emails, you know, they did all that other stuff. I'm not trying to get political, but you get what I mean. You know, all yeah. this secure government stuff has been hacked into and leaked and you have WikiLeaks and all that stuff. I mean, do you really think that paying, you know, a hundred dollars a year is going to make you invincible with, you know, express VPN or something? It's just, no. And, and what's funny is those increasingly those VPNs don't even really work because like, I, you know, like you have the VPN and you're like, let me see if I can log on to this place and, and watch my team that I live in this town of. And I can't watch my team because I live in the town, which yeah. is so crazy. So you log, you get your VPN, you log on. Oh, no, you can't do that. You're like, all right, whatever. So Yeah, most VPNs are just not functional. I mean, NordVPN works great for me. But, I mean, I've tried Surfshark. It was way too slow. I tried ExpressVPN and all my stuff got broken into like a week later. Um, I don't know if they had a breach or what happened, but all my stuff got broken into when I was using Express, even though their you know, speeds are faster, security is crap, apparently. I never bothered yeah. with CyberGhost. They might be all right, but you know, I just came back to Nord because that's what I've used for the last you know five, six years, and they may not be the best yeah. one. I'm sure there's someone out there that's faster or more secure or something, but if I need, you know, I don't keep a VPN on constantly because it's kind of a, you know, just you know, makes your computer slower, like makes the internet slower and just, you know, holds up a lot of stuff and just, it can be irritating. But at the same time, sometimes you just need one to like, you know, since I'm doing like, for example, I use it to um, connect to Canada so I can watch Are You Afraid of the Dark on YouTube so I can review it for my show. You know, I can't watch it in yeah. America because it's not available on Amer in America on YouTube, but it is in Canada, you know, so. Well, what I, well, what I use a VPN for and <laughs> what I use a VPN for is like I have, I don't really use it anymore, but I used to use it because, and this is so crazy and we can get into this if you want, but, um, so I am number 15 in the world for podcasts about COVID-19 okay. in any language, right? That's crazy, man. Congratulations. That's wild. It is, man. And I'm, I'm. I'm not bragging. I'm, I'm deeply humbled that I'm able to help so many people on the planet. Honestly, thank you for real. Yeah. Now what I use my VPN for 
is I would go to different websites all over the planet and, you know, news organizations. And it's so crazy. If they think you're in India, right, or they think you're in the EU somewhere, they're going to show you a different news than if they think you're in America. Mm -hmm. Right? So, like, you know, you'd be going, you'd be, you know, let me be from Britain right now. Or let me be from Germany. Or let me be from here. Let me be from there. And you'd be going to these places and they would show you different stuff about COVID. And it was so... And, like, this isn't government sites, mind you. This is that... You know, this is, like, their equivalent of... I don't know, like, the Indian equivalent of the Washington Post. Right? This isn't a government site. It's, it's a, you know, the Times of India or something. Right? Yeah, it's just so crazy. And, you know, and that's I mean, I don't know, but my my thing is like, look at people, if if you're not if watching a movie for a job or like he is or, you know, reading something for a um, you know health podcast or something, if you just want to watch Netflix to watch Netflix, please just buy the movie. You don't. You're not, you know what I'm saying? I don't think Netflix is worth it. They're raising the price and like they just, I don't know the last time I went to Netflix to really watch anything. There's just nothing there. I mean, it's, you know, all these other sites, you know, I've got um, access to Peacock, which I can watch like Law and Order and stuff on. But, you know, the main reason that I even have that is because um, me and my dad uh, have a subscription to it because of WWE Network, you know, so you can watch all Mm. that stuff. So, of course, with that comes law and order. But, you know, it just, you know, I just don't see a point in really paying for Netflix because there's just not, I mean, what's on there now? I mean, it's just, there's nothing on there I want. You know, I look at Netflix and it's like, you know, where is the stuff I should be watching? You know, it's like versus all these other places like Disney Plus, which I don't have yet. But, you know, when I think Disney Plus, it's like, I know that I can go to Disney Plus and I'll be able to watch Star Wars, you know, Aladdin. Lion King, some old Disney shows, you know, all the Marvel stuff is going to be there. I have a reason to go there because I know that there's something there to watch. I feel like with Netflix, there's nothing to watch anymore there. Like they've just made the sites. Netflix is going to die before long because they don't have that. What is there? What's the show on Netflix right now that's worth watching? Well, I guess, you know, do you do you have any off? I, I do. I have. I'm I'm old school as hell. I have Netflix DVD. <laughs> oh, you do? Which people are shocked to know that I have that. I'm shocked but that it I, still exists. It does. It still exists. I still use it. It's great. Um, you know, but you're right. I mean, like, if you're not one of these film people, you know, like, if you're not going, I want to watch, you know, Diabolique, or I want to watch Eight and a Half, or I want to what was the other one? Um, what's the show I'm watching now? Oh, Dig. Dig. I guess the only sure. thing I can think of with Netflix is maybe like anime. Don't they have a lot of anime on there? I think so, but I'm not really into anime. I mean... I'm not either. I was just wondering because I know that they have some of that stuff. I, I just... You know, I'm just sort of like one of those type of people that, you know, I don't watch Netflix much or movies much in general anymore. I'm just so busy with everything going on. But 
you know, if I was going to sit down yeah. and watch a movie, I'd just want to watch something, you know, familiar. Like I, I've been really debating on getting Disney plus just so I can watch the star Wars movies again, just for that alone. And the original three Spider-Man movies too. You know, I think that'll be worth, you know, spending had, eight bucks just to watch that. I had uh, Disney plus for a while and I got to tell you, right. The thing about Disney plus is unless you have kids, I couldn't see having Disney plus for more than a couple months. Yeah. Like, unless you have, now, if you have kids, that's a whole nother ball game. Oh right? yeah. I don't have, have kids. kids. It's, totally. It's a whole nother ball game. But once you run through like the, the star Wars or for me, right. Or the Marvel for some people, eh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I remember watching there, there was that, what was that show? Like the, the space cat, like the cat from outer space or whatever it was. Um, and that was cute, yeah. but am I going to watch that? Like, am I going to be like, oh, let me watch. No, <laughs> I'm a grown up. Come on. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, I think that maybe for someone around my age, it's probably a little different because, you know, we have that nostalgia for like Aladdin and the Lion King and, you know, Toy Story and all that stuff. We might want to watch all that again. But I mean, like you, you're probably right, though. I agree with you that it probably is more of if you have kids, you re- it's a different ball game because, you know, it's just they have all that newer stuff like post 2000 yeah. stuff that, you know, people love like cars and stuff that I wouldn't watch if you paid me because i just think it's probably loud and annoying which is what a lot of it turned into like the i don't understand the little minions the despicable me stuff i've watched Whoa. clips of it and i just don't get it but i can see why kids would like it but not me but you know one thing real quick uh, about kids in general is i really don't see it's such a different generation now because i have two nephews um i think one just turned 12 and the other one just turned 15 and that's about as far as I know with kids anyway. But as far as I can remember in the last three or four years, I don't think either one of them watched Disney or Nickelodeon or anything. They just, you know, anytime they came and stayed the night at the house, you know, they were always watching those YouTubers like Jack Septic Eye and, you know, I guess yeah. PewDiePie and just like, you know, Smosh and, you know, like YouTube is like the new media for those kids. So I don't really know how much longer Disney's going to be. You know, at least like, you know, the Disney cartoons of that era are going to be really relevant because kids just don't watch that the cartoons anymore. I mean, you know, yeah. of course, Lion King and everything's great. And I think all those movies are great and nothing against them. But I don't see people 20 years from now saying, hey, do you remember Cars or do you remember Kung Fu Panda or whatever else, you know, movies? They made? I don't think anyone's going to remember those movies. Maybe they will. I don't know. But. You know, I don't think they'll remember it like we do now where those movies were like, you know, a big thing to us. Like, you know, to us, that was, you know, like Jurassic Park will always be huge to us because that Jurassic was Jurassic Park. Anyone I saw think, dinosaurs. So. Yeah. I think the difference is like, because you're right, because and I talk about this a lot with a lot of people on the podcast is and this is one of the things I'm talking about with this revolution that we're living in. Right. So, like, you have, um, like, one night, it was, like, what pushed it over the edge to, to do a podcast, honestly, was I was up really late one night. I was so, so late, I was early. Like, I was up so late, I, I was early. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but so I went down this rabbit hole, and I ended up on this dude who was cooking in his dishwasher 
What? For real. For <laughs> real. There, There is a cat cooking in his dishwasher. I'm not kidding. That's crazy. Oh, wait. It gets crazier. Hang on. Hang on to your hat. Right? There's no secret sauce. There's no, you know, there's no, um, there's nothing sexy about it. Right? It's just a guy cooking food in his dishwasher. Okay. Now you scroll down and you look at the number of views he has and it's in the millions. Yeah. It's literally in the millions. And so like, I'm like, so I'm not at this point, I'm not watching it to watch it. I'm watching it to figure out what, why he's making steak in his dishwasher. Why? Why are people, you know, I guarantee you there's more people watching this dude. I, I guarantee you there's more cats watching this dude than that watch the news. Uh, or that watch. Probably you know, so, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you watch Law and Order or just anything. Mm. There's people watching this cat. And I can't. And then I figured it out. All anybody wants is a connection. Yeah. Right? That's all anybody wanted. And people are connecting to this dude in his 60s cooking food in a dishwasher. And I think part wow. of it is just the oddity of it. You know, it's just like, it's just like the, when you tell, now I want to go watch a guy cooking a dishwasher because I want to see how he does it. If he can actually, how the steak is going to come out from him cooking in a damn dishwasher. <laughs> Like, you just hear something ridiculous like that, and you're like, I want to see that now. It's because it's it's sort of like a reality TV. They just come up with these ridiculous, yeah, you know, yeah. scenarios, and it's like it's not meant to replicate real life or normal life because, you know, if you just had, like, a, a show where it was just talking about, I don't know, bird watching, I doubt anyone's going to listen to that. It's boring. But I don't know. Maybe, who knows? Maybe there's some bird watching channel out there on you know Spotify that gets millions of views. I don't want to insult him. Maybe he'll my, interview me one day about bird yeah. watching, and I could just act like I care. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I would, I'm like, yeah, birds are pretty, man. Yeah, they 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 make noises and shit. <laughs> my dad, my my dad. Actually, one of my um, one of my dream one of my dream interviews. Actually, you mentioned it is this guy who he runs a YouTube channel. Uh, his name's Jim Putnam. And he runs a YouTube channel where he's a gardener. And he goes, basically he lives in, I don't know what his job is, like what his real job is, but he goes around his suburban neighborhood just looking at his neighbor's yards. And I guess he gets permission. I don't want to throw the guy under the bus. Okay, sure, fine. But the reason I want to interview him is like he has like a gazillion people, like literally gazillions of people. And my dad loves him. Like my dad watches him on YouTube and stuff. And I'm like, all right, I want to see if I can find this guy just to talk to him. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, just I mean, reach out to him. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll, you know, maybe he'll sit down and talk with you. I mean, just yeah, like, maybe, maybe you, you just never know. I mean, like this, like you know, what did Wayne Gretzky say? He said you miss uh, all the shots you don't take or whatever. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. And, can't never could. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just like you can just 
you're like, hey, man, you know, you want to come on my show and talk about staring at people's lawns? He's probably like, yeah, and that's it. You know what I mean? I mean, but, like, I don't want to say, like, he's, I mean, he's not, I mean, I don't know beans about gardening. But yeah. I can watch, I can watch this and tell you, this guy knows his stuff. Like, he really knows what is what about gardening. Like, for real. Because he'll tell you what zone he lives in. He knows the Latin names of these plants. It's, it's you know, whatever. But the reason I want to talk to him is he's got all these views. And I'm thinking, I wonder if he literally, because you can tell he films it on his phone. And I'm like, I wonder if he ever sat, sits there and goes, good Lord. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what a world. <laughs> I just think, you know, it's like you just never know, you know, until like, what's the worst someone could say to you? Like, no, I don't want to be on your podcast or something. I mean, yeah, pretty know, much. but if you don't, if you don't ask them like, Hey, you want to come on here and we could talk about X, Y, Z. I mean, yeah. I mean, you never know. I mean, so that, yeah. that way I see it is sort, it's sort of like, you know, you never know who's going to blow up either. You know, you could be like, to me, it's like, if someone says, Hey, you know, you want to come on my podcast? I'm like, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, as long as that, the way I always tell people though, is as long as I have, a space on there as long as i have you know a purpose to be there because i've i've had shows before where it would be like the, one of those round table shows where in about an hour you might get in like five words and it's like why was i here you know what i mean and just yeah, like as like, long as you have yeah. a reason to have me on the show like you know rather it's an interview or you want to just talk about horror just give me something where I, you know, I actually have a reason to be here. That I'm just not like the third wheel on the date. You know what I mean? And um, yeah. that's all it is. That's all I ask of people. I don't care how big or small your podcast is, but if you, I mean, if you want to talk books or horror or whatever, I'll do it. And I was, you know, even the, I just, I had a question the other night from a different interviewer, which is stuck yeah. with me and it really has, which was um, how do people react when they find out that I'm a best-selling author? And I always, you know, I just didn't ever think about it until he asked. And I was like, they just don't give a shit. <laughs> they just don't fucking care. Like, I don't have like legions of, you know, Gothic fangirls or, you know, all this fan mail or anything coming through. I mean, the, the book sold well, they went to number one, but it's like, nobody cares. You know, it's weird. I don't know if it's, you know, if it's always been like this or what, or maybe it's because I don't do conventions or haven't done them yet, but I just, I well, a, a lot of it is yeah. I don't use social media. You know, I just don't really use, you know, I, for years during the, the, yeah. while I was writing the books and publishing them, I just simply didn't have Twitter. I didn't have Facebook. I didn't have these sites to interact with people so maybe if i did have that and let that distract me maybe i would have a line of you know hot goth chicks around the corner wanting to talk to me but i just i just you know i feel like just another dude man and just i don't you know i'm a best-selling author i've sold you know thousands and thousands of copies of my books and you know it's a great feeling that people enjoy but i don't feel like a rock star you know what i mean i don't have that rock star treatment anywhere i go and you know, I kind of maybe that's good because yeah. I can go out and just I could go to Barnes and Noble right now and not get mauled by a crowd, you know, which is, you know, I like that. I have a thought or a story, right? And this is like from the mid 90s or early 90s or whatever. And I was, I swear to God, this is real. I was sitting 
at we went to SeaWorld. Me and my parents, we went to SeaWorld, and my little sister, we went to SeaWorld. And I'm sitting there reading a book. I'm sitting there reading Stephen King, waiting for Shamu to come out or whatever, right? Waiting, waiting for the show to start. And I swear to God, like two or three rows up is Stephen King. Oh, wow. I flipped the book over. Like I was like, I flipped the book over. And the book had just come, like that pressing of the book had just come out, right? So that's like, <laughs> wow. that's, that's his picture. Like that's what Stephen King looks like today, right? Mm-hmm. I flipped the book over and that's Stephen King. Holy crap. And then, like, this woman calls him Steve. Like, hey, Steve, come over here, right? And I'm like, and mom, that's Stephen King. And I expected my mom to be like, no, Ben, that's stop it, right? No. And she, yes, it is. (laughs) That's Stephen King, right? Yeah. So, you know, and that was kind of at the heart of his the height of his uh, fame or whatever, but there he is in, in SeaWorld just watching Shamu or whatever. I, I love talking to people like just, you know, I never see I've, I've had, yeah. you know, I just love talking to people regardless of, you know, size of the podcast, whether they're just, you know, a, a mid, uh, you know, a, whatever you call it, a middle-aged woman out in, you know, the Midwest that has absolutely nothing going on or, you know, or just, you know, famous people. I mean, I just, I like talking to people in general. I don't really think about, I never really think about like the size or scope of someone's, you know, audience or anything, because I'm just like, I've already become a best-selling author. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, so I've hit t- the peak of where I want, I've not the peak, but I've hit a level of, you know, yeah. of, of success in the book industry that I don't feel like, you know, I'm, I'm securing myself now that I've done at least one thing that did well that, you know, I don't seek that gratification any nowhere near as much as I did before I became a best-selling author. So, so I think you, being, like becoming, I think becoming deal. a bestseller really kind of grounded me really, you know, my ego, it kind of grounded yeah. me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. Um, I mean, like, do you see like, um, so getting back to this revolution that we're both living through here, do you see like um where do you see this going like in 10 years i honestly have no idea because it's i think that the school system honestly within the next 10 to 20 years is pretty much it's going to be done with and they're going to do pretty much all online learning for the most part because after you've had covid happen i don't really see a point of having brick and mortar schools and people will justify saying, well, some kids won't do their work at home. I said, well, that's their problem. You know what I mean? Like, if you think about it, are we really going to spend, you know, a million dollars a year to teach 10 kids that don't want to do their homework, you know? So, like, no, they're, they're eventually going to automate that with, you know, they'll go and pay some corporation, you know, a million bucks or something to, like, make a lesson plan for all the school stuff. You just log into your account and you watch your little PowerPoints, your little video presentations and take your tests and all that stuff. And they're going to do it on their little Chromebooks and everything at home. Or maybe they even, you know, maybe they'll set up a little office space or something that costs a lot less than actual school. And it's just going to downsize eventually because there's no 
coronavirus has proved that you can do school that way. And I don't see a point in wasting money on schools if you can do it that way, because I don't know. I just hated high school. I just, I really hated high school. I would have loved to be in this era where I could have just done it all at home and not had to go up there and deal with the stuff I did. But, you know, I think that's one thing that's going to happen. I think a lot of the stuff in like the, your restaurants is going to be automated because people don't want to work. So you're going to have, you know, they're going to get rid of cashiers and eventually have just kiosks and self-checkout everywhere. They're, you know, doing that Amazon Fresh thing or whatever it's called with the Amazon store where you just get your stuff and put it in the cart and it rings it up for you automatically. You know, we're going to be moving away from human um, human labor, I guess, as much as possible because we've kind of proven that you can do it without having to pay people, you know, with all this See, technological think, advance. Yeah. I mean, I think kind of not the opposite. But, like, I have friends that have school-age kids, right? And they're all of my friends to a human, to a person. They all say, my kid did a lot better in school, like in, in physical school. Um, they all said that, um, regardless of how their kid was doing before, um, number one. But I wonder, I think you're right about the grocery stores. I wonder if people eventually are gonna like the in-person grocery shopping I, yeah. I wonder about that i honestly do um i talk to folks you know i talk to people that um one guy he's like he lived in one country and worked in another country and this one lady she worked in same deal and blah 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 and yada 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 and and so that goes on. I mean, it went on kind of before the pandemic and it's going on, you know, now I just heard a, I just heard a radio story this morning about how there's all these businesses trying to get people back in the business, like what they call white collar workers. And the problem is a lot of people don't want, like, they're like, no, I don't. The fact that you're paying rent on a building doesn't confront me. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, figure it out. <laughs> and like you mentioned Discord, okay? The first time I logged on to Discord was because of this podcast, right? I, I'm, I, would, I would say that I'm not, I would say that I'm too old to know what Discord is had it not been for this podcast. Um, but the first time I logged onto it and saw the, the capabilities of it, I was like, Man, I think we're gonna have a real estate crash, a commercial real estate crash in like five or ten years, because of Discord, because people are gonna want to go to Discord instead of want to drag into work. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, like you know, I, I, when I was at Microsoft, we used Skype a lot, you know, because like uh, we were originally using something called Link, and it was, I think, it was better than Skype, but. You know, they eventually set up Skype and everything, and that's how everybody talked to each other versus having meetings. So, I mean, you can really, you know, technology has made it where really I think a lot of work is going to become remote too. So you're not going to have as much, you know, need for physical brick and mortar at this point. If you can do it remote, you might as well do it remote just to save on cost, and that's what I would do. But, I mean, that's what I do for my company anyways. I do a lot yeah. of, um, you know, if I outsource something, I don't have to bring anyone in to do it It's I'll get them to do it and they'll rather mail it to me or email me or whatever they're going to do. So, 
I mean, it's 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 so interesting to me that the people, like the people that get if to use a to use a bad word, the people that get romantic about about coming into work are not the people who, um, like they're not the most technologically fluent people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I'm not saying they're luddites, but they're not one. Of, they're not these people that that grew up online, so to say. You know. Yeah. Not that I did, but you know, just saying. <laughs> and I'm I'm with you on the whole talking to people. I love talking to just average normal humans and learning about their world and what's going on with them and stuff. I mean, it's just, I don't feel like I'm above anybody else. Even, you know, if I've had success here and there, I just don't feel like I'm something special or important, I guess, because I was a nobody so long that I just kind of got, you know, when I did get some success, I was just sort of like, well, I mean, that happened. <laughs> I just, I just didn't feel any like big boost and ego over it. And I think a big part of it is just because like you know, I was saying earlier, there's like no lineup of hot goth chicks around the building. You know, coming in here just, you know, fangirling out with, you know, freaking books of Under a Morning Star or whatever for me to sign from them. So, I mean, I think that's part of it is just, you know, there's uh, so little real fan feedback. I mean, you get plenty of books sold, but there's just not really that much of a rabid thing going unless you have social media, which I didn't for so long. And just uh, kind of, I guess, missed the boat on that. But it's fine. It's fine, man. I just don't, uh, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at right now. I yeah. don't, you know, think I need to get. I mean, I would love to get Terror Tracks to get bigger because, you know, I love podcasting a lot more than I love writing. Um, writing, I loved it for a while, but, you know, ten books in, you just kind of get tired of it and just, you know, I've I've done that, been there, done that. I did what I needed to do. You know, I want to move on to other projects and just do this thing. You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather yeah. just do. Just, just a podcast, man, because I feel like I just, that's what I'd rather do. I think it's more fun to do a podcast and uh, try to pull teeth and, you know, sell copies of the books one at a time. It's just, ugh. Have you tried, have you tried talking your book into a phone? Like, have you tried that? No, I just give people like professional voiceover people to read them. No, no, no. Like you could, instead of writing your book, you could literally like open up Word yeah 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 i've tried that uh, yeah it doesn't work it does but it's not even really the processes you just get kind of tired of writing you just get tired of looking at that stuff and you know dealing with all the back end stuff like you know the writing isn't the problem it's the editing phase is horrible and so was the marketing phase both of them are just just you know headache inducing annoying stressful just ain't worth it uh, that's how I feel with, uh, editing, editing, uh, audio. I, I, I don't, if I edit a podcast, like I might edit, like I'll probably edit out our little, our little flub where I spent too long, like looking for your stuff or whatever, but yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Like, um, so what do you want to do with your, you, you say you've got a terror tracks podcast. What's that about? Uh, basically I'm teaching people how to write horror novels and, um, uh, let people hear dramatized audio from books I've written. And I also review a new episode of, are you afraid of the dark every week? 
more or less what I'm doing is I'm trying to teach people how to write uh, horror novels. And then the second segment is you get to hear like dramatized audio of like different uh, audio books that I've had, you know, made of my stories. And then like the third part is uh, where I will review, you know, episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark in order. So right now I'm on like episode five of Are You Afraid of the Dark that's uh, coming soon. But I'm basically, you know, watching the episodes, writing notes, making, you know, reviews and um, giving you my perspective of an author, you know, watching this TV show that influenced me a lot as a kid. And, you know, hopefully that entertains people. So that's, you know, what I'm doing with that. So that's Terror Tracks in a nutshell. You know, there, there really is a podcasting community. Honestly, there's a podcasting community. And I find it pretty rewarding, honestly, like as far as the connections you make and blah, 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 like, you know. And the thing that I've learned is that we're all just people. Yeah. Like everybody's just people, man. Honestly. But, um. Well, I hate, yeah. I really hate to cut you off, but we're, we're right at an hour and a half and I, I, I really got to go. So. All right. So why don't you, uh, I, I feel you, I feel you, because right now fireworks haven't started. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe cut, maybe give it an hour and we'll see. But um, why don't you uh, tell everybody what's going on, like where, where they can find you, et cetera. Uh, and, just go, yeah, go ahead. Finish what you were saying. And then like, okay. And then all you got to do is just leave this tab open and let the thing download. But okay. beyond that. So why don't you just tell everybody where to find you? Um, you can just go to terrortracks.com slash listen and you'll find all of my social media and all of the places you can listen to the show that's uh T R A X, uh not you know, the other way you'd spell that. You'll get all the information that you need to find me pretty much everywhere and that's it. I mean, it's as simple as that. Terrortracks.com slash listen. All right. What I'm doing now is I'm going to type in my email for my podcast. And you just email me those links and I'll throw okay. them in there. Okay. Uh, let me see. And I'll just throw them in there for you. And all right. Got it. And uh, all right, everybody. This has been Ben Kitchings of History Voyager. I had a good time, and I'm having a good day, and I hope you are too. All right, everybody. See you later. Thanks for having me on.